find support. Get with someone who gets it and surrender. This is where the holistic element comes in. If you think about the body, mind, spirit paradigm, listen to your body, discern your feelings and intuition, dare to trust yourself that what you're experiencing and what you're feeling is true. And then in our mind, how do we make sense of this? How do we understand what's going on? How do we speak to ourselves about it? This is where we need the education. You're listening to The Thriving in Chaos Project with Paulette Rigo, mediator, divorce coach, author, and founder of Better Divorce Academy. She invites you to grab a favorite beverage, find a cozy seat, soothe your soul, and take a listen. The podcast was inspired by our courageous journeys, connecting with others, having meaningful conversations, and impact through sharing our stories. In each episode, Paulette is joined by some of the most compelling experts in all things divorce and transformation. Prepare through the toughest chapters, reveal our hardships, celebrate our lessons learned, and see the future clearly. Leave feeling empowered to approach life and maintain our dignity no matter what. It's time to thrive in the chaos. Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project with Paulette. I am your host, and I am thrilled to welcome Donna Shin to today's episode. Donna and I had the fortune of bumping into one another in Hawaii, of all places, in the fall of 2016, before our lives changed significantly. I welcome her to the show to tell a little bit about her story, why she does what she does, because much of the work we do now is congruent. We didn't know it at the time, but I don't believe in coincidences. So Donna, I am thrilled you're here. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining me today. Oh, hi, Paula. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be with you. Well, I remember distinctly a conversation you and I had in the hot tub. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what day it was, but we were there maybe a week or so. And, you know, the first couple of days you're there for a, a retreat, an event, and there's 30 or so people. Nobody knows anybody, right? It's a matter of just smiling and shaking hands and hanging out and uh, going to a lot of workshops and intensives and sharing meals. And before a couple of days, you just get to know a few people. And I immediately took a, took a liking to you. So I, I don't remember specifically the conversation we had, but I do remember really feeling like there was a reason we met. So for people that don't know anything about you, I'd love you to start at the beginning of your work, what you do, why you do it, and what brought you to this work, because I really found it um, incredibly powerful, um, and more and more people need to know about the work you're doing. Oh, thank you, Paulette. And I do recall your warmth and you you coming over to me and saying, I think we have a lot in common here. And, and that was... Uh, that was very, very sweet. And yeah, so um, I have had many iterations of my work through the years. At that time when we met at that event retreat, I was going through a very dark time and trying to um, 
recover from a very complex, emotionally abusive relationship. I was married to a covert narcissist and I, I particular, particularly don't love the labels. However, I am a mental health therapist and I'm clinically trained and so it does help us to get understanding of, of what we're dealing with. So having been a, a clinical pastoral counselor, my graduate program was actually an integration of spirituality and psychology. So I work in a very holistic way when I, I'm working with people. And my specialties up until that point when we met were grief and loss and trauma. And since then, I have developed a specialty in narcissistic emotional abuse, toxic relationships and, and recovery from that. And I really feel like my specialties with grief and trauma really work very well in helping spiritual women to recover. And so I developed this soul of healing program, which is intended to help women navigate what they are up against from the very beginning. Like you said earlier, we, we find ourselves sometimes in these toxic relationships that are so painful and so confusing where we're losing ourselves. We don't know what we're dealing with. We are being perhaps subtly emotionally abused and that takes a great toll on our body, mind and spirit. And so my groups are created to help a woman from the beginning through the ending of recovering from this trauma. And, and let me just say that women who are, and men too, and believe me, I, I work with men too, women who um, have been involved in a, an emotionally abusive relationship, let's call it a pathological love relationship, or this also applies to a family member, 90% um, of us will walk away with some form of trauma. And 75% of us will walk away with complex PTSD and PTSD. So this is not anything to fool around with because mm -hmm. it can really be harmful. So anyway, I, I developed three groups. One is called Basic Breakthrough. One is Soul Sisters Moving Forward. That's my support group for women. Um, we get together, we have a topic. Um, th the women are just healing each other. I'm just there facilitating and bringing a, a topic. And then I do um, a releasing trauma group with the the trauma therapy that I'm certified in called brain spotting. Mm -hmm. And so my, my reason for developing these soul of healing um, groups and program Paulette is because I get it. And I, I know how deep and painful and transforming working through um, 
this kind of abuse or pain or chaos can can really benefit us in our growth and in our purpose. And um, I like to say we trade the trauma for truth and trade the pain for power and purpose. So I'm basically, you know, helping women find their truth, get clear, know how to support themselves with self-care, boundaries, um, grace in their spiritual relationship, and find a place of comfort and safety where they know they belong and they're with people who get it. And it, it's it's more about, tran- it's, it's not only transforming Paulette, it's transcending it, transcending it to live in a higher place, you know, rising above it. Um, we, we don't have to be defined by these things. They become our path and part of our story, but it, it gets us to where we're intended to go in our in our path of wholeness and growth and learning to be loved in the world. And isn't that why we're all here? Mm, Isn't that why we are all here? Yes, indeed, Donna. I was taking notes furiously during all that. I hope everyone else was too. Um, Of course, it'll all be in the show notes of who she is, her magic, why she does what she does and how you could work with her. But I want to digress a bit into your own awakening. Um, Not that there is, you know, any day that comes to mind, although sometimes there is, right? Can you recall the feeling or the event or what happened that made you awaken into the um, a fact that you were involved or in fact embroiled in a covert narcissistic marriage? Um, was it an event? Here you are a trained clinical psychologist, right? With an extensive background in the meanings of the mind and all behaviors. And did your uh, clinical studies and and training give you that aha moment? Or what was it? How did you awaken into that? Ah, I happen to be married to blank. Like what happened? How did you awaken into that acknowledgement? Yeah, great question. And um, that will all be in my book that I'm um, working on publishing right now. Good. We're, we need to read it. Yeah. About a year out, I think. Um, so, you know, Paulette, one thing I've learned is that you can take all the advanced psychopathology in graduate school. However, until you actually live it, you really can't comprehend what it is like to live with someone that you love who has a character disorder. And so this was my second marriage. And, you know, my first deep transformation was when I was 19 years old. And that's a long story too. That was a deep spiritual transformation after recovering from cancer and many, uh, many hard things then. So I, I was not the type of woman who ever imagined I would be married more than once. So, and of course, none of us are, we, we don't go into marriage feeling like it could go. Maybe just Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. Right. Right. So anyway, um, and I truly love this man. I thought he was my soul. You know, he was very charming and he very intelligent. He went to Harvard and, you know, he was a, he was a, a surgeon and 
you know, we were blending a, a family and he had many soulful qualities about him. And I came to realize later that this was all part of the love bombing that is so well known in these types of relationships. And so I, I think one of the first things to answer your question, I noticed that once he had me where he wanted me, I began to feel very dismissed. Mm. And I began to be actually alone a lot. And I did not feel like I had a true partner. I felt like he just picked up the life that he had with his kids and it was his life and his kids instead of our life and our kids. Mm -hmm. I just kind of fit in when it was convenient for him and his schedule. And that was painful. But when you really get clear is when you're a fairly healthy woman, like I believed I was going in and I could ask for what I needed and try to talk about my feelings and tell him I was hurt about something or I needed more support. He did not hear me. There was no empathy. He could not put himself into my being to understand how I was feeling. And I, I, I later came to realize he wasn't really capable of it. And that's a, that's a very important feature when you're dealing with a, a cluster B personality or narcissistic sociopathic person, they lack empathy. So how do you relate? How do you partner? How do you have a conversation with a man who cannot relate. There is no relationship. And then I would get very hurt. I would withdraw. And Paulette, long story short, I actually got physically ill in the marriage. And I tried so desperately doing everything I could to hold on to that because the thought of a second marriage ending was unbearable to me absolutely unbearable. And I'm a, I'm a fairly intelligent woman. I started doing the research. I started doing the research. I, I reached out to my own therapist after a while. He and I went to marriage counseling several times. He was willing to go. He was very good at manipulating and the therapist and none of them really picked it up except one said he has very rigid defenses. And that for me is a very tender spot. And one of the reasons I was called to do this because there are many therapists out there who don't understand how to see or treat a victim of emotional abuse. It's that subtle. Mm -hmm. So it's a I believe it's a specialty and, and you really have to have certain set of eyes and listening to, to start to pick it up. And um, mm. so that, that's key. Um, and I left him once and then I went back. And then after that, I had 
what I would consider a, a mild nervous breakdown. I could not function and I, I was just devastated. And so I actually invited myself and took myself away to get some rest and some treatment. And I would say there, I learned so much about my own wounds from my childhood. And I had done a lot of work, a lot of work. My father was very narcissistic. Um, there was some emotional abuse in my own childhood. And I thought I, I was good, but it, you know, sometimes life takes us to a de another level. Okay, there's more here, there's more to do. And, and I surrendered, I said, okay. And I, and I learned so much and, um, you know, it, it was a journey. And, and that's when I said, I need to write a book about all of this. Mm -hmm. And so um, I hope that answered your question some. There, there's so much to it did. Um, you know, it's a unique answer for everyone. Some people will, when they've experienced trauma and they have been in painful, dysfunctional, covert or overt, different conversation, you know, different, different uh, behaviors, habits, tactics, tools, toolbox, but really the, the innate uh, lack of self-confidence in these types of people um, really uh, is similar, you know, whether they are the overt, hey, look at me, look at me type of person, or that they're cunning, kind of sneaky, sly uh, type of more um, subtle uh, gaslighting types, right? Uh, yes. Although yes. they both like to gaslight. Um, yes. the, the, the experience may be different. And I also see with some of the women I work with in high conflict divorce cases as in my work as a divorce consultant, divorce coach and mediator. Uh, I, I do have those set of eyes and listening skills and specialize oh, in this, not only because I've experienced it uh, with many, many other people, but you do get those discerning skills. So, but some people will say, yes, it was the moment I couldn't read the tax returns, or it was the moment um, he uh, accused me of, you know, stealing money or whatever the event was, there's some moment, but as you mentioned, as you broke it down in eight stages or so, I'm not sure if you realized as I was taking notes, number one, the love bombing, right? The, you're the most wonderful, you're the beautiful, the flowers, the gifts, the roses, the, it's like, I found my soulmate and this is, this is it. There could never be another person in my life. And I know I'm being a little melodramatic, but, but that's how it is, right? It's this that's just how powerful it is. Yeah. It's yeah. Like it just it overtakes your being. And then all of a sudden, there's the discarding, mm -hmm. there's this, all of this sense of just like, oh, I'm too busy, or I have something else to do, or like, okay, and of course, the first time it happens, you think, well, what did I do? What did I say? What happened? Like, oh, they're just having a bad moment. Maybe they're sick. Maybe I'm sick. Who knows? We all make excuses, right? Um, yes. Maybe if I was, for me, like if I was just, maybe if I kept the house cleaner or the kids stopped crying, or if I, you know, was a thinner or sexier or taller or prettier or richer or what I, if I'm more, if I have more, 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 
wore more lip gloss, whatever. You'd make like just <laughs> stupid things, right? But there's that feeling of just, I didn't, and you you said it exactly, I didn't have a true partner. I didn't have a true partner. You know, we don't get married uh, so that we can have a roommate or we don't get married so that we can, you know, I don't know, just have a friend to hang out with on the weekends. It, it's a partnership. And some like to use the word obligation. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not in love with that word obligation. That makes it feels like, well, it's obligatory, right? It isn't something that you both really have agreed to, right? Now, stage three, that lack of empathy, they just, they can't, just have any ability to feel compassion for anyone else's situation, emotions, feelings, needs, goals, values. It just doesn't matter to them. And he couldn't understand how you felt. There was a rigid defensive defensiveness. That's every, I'm hoping everyone's like nodding their head and shaking, you know, nodding and taking notes. Then bam, this happened to so many, including me, I call it stage four or whatever, is that illness of it started to manifest in your own body. Like I got tinnitus, I got a a root canal, I got sore throats and nodules on my vocal cords, all kinds of things from my eyes to my throat telling me I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to speak. Mm -hmm. So everything, my ears were ringing, um, just you name it, everything was just throat, 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 mouth, mouth, ears, don't hear it, don't listen, don't speak it. There's some sort of manifestation that takes place in the body. I don't know what yours was, but for many people, uh, autoimmune decisions, who knows? Let me just share briefly what mine was. Um, So I I had something um, that was diagnosed as interstitial cystitis, which is an inflammation of the bladder, which they say Ah. not curable. I I had that too. And I I was able to cure it myself, which took heroic efforts. And when I studied the symbolism of that disease in my mind-body-spirit medicine psychology it basically meant that I was pissed off and and was. <laughs> was that from Louise Hayes work um no, I have um I have a, a big thick book I got out in Arizona um that um Louise may say that as well I, I, I mean quite remember, god rest but, her soul she's passed away but you know there's yeah. yeah but the, yeah. the bladder you know it was an inflammation and every time there was major stress mm. for me in the relationship. I would, it would flare up for me. And I'm um, so glad you shared that. Um, I had that constant feeling too, like I had to go to the bathroom, had to go to the bathroom, had to go to the bathroom. They told me to give up caffeine, all kinds of other things. I mean, between, I, I didn't really drink too much coffee. And, um, but yes, I love that. Uh, is anyone else relating? I love that. Um, I remember even reading the name of it. Like that is a horrible name. It, it, say it again, interstitious? Interstitial cystitis. Interstitial cystitis. Sounds horrendous. It, it's very, very painful. And, um, and then the next thing you mentioned was that you left, but you came back. Was that hoovering? Did he suck you back? Was that by your own feeling of why did you leave? Why did you come back? I had done a lot of discernment and I realized that this marriage was 
very toxic for me and very unhealthy. But at that point, Paulette, I was still gripped from the trauma in the trauma bond. Right. And the cognitive dissonance that is so um, acute with these relationships. It's actually one of the hardest things to recover from, especially for women who have um, what Sandra Brown, who wrote Women Who Love Psychopaths, um, coined as super traits. I'm, mm. I'm very conscientious. And, and I had, uh, one of my daughters was in high school and um, I, I had gotten my courage up. I summoned my courage. He had taken his kids on a vacation. I, we told the kids that we were just gonna separate for a while. And I was convincing myself that I needed some space. I just needed some rest. Mm. And, um, you know, I had myself convinced that that's what it was. It was just too painful to say it's over. That comes in stages for some women. And so um, then I went away to uh, the recovery place that I mentioned. And when I came back, I was doing so much better. Oh my gosh, I felt so strong. But as soon as I got around him, um, I, I just weakened. I was very much in love with this man and I wanted it to work. So we decided we would move out of the home that he had lived in in his previous life and we bought our own house and I went back and I was getting better and he was getting more abusive. Mm -hmm. And one day he said to me, I remember this very vividly, we were standing in the kitchen and he threw one of his tactics at me and I just looked at him and I kind of, you know, okay. And I walked away and he said to me, you don't react anymore like you used to. And I thought that was very interesting that he was aware. He, he, he sort of got off on my reactions when I would get so upset. And so it didn't take long after we'd moved into this new house. And, and then we went on a trip to Italy and one of my married daughters and her husband were there and he and I had gone out to lunch in this quaint little um, town. And he said something to me and I just got up from the table and I threw down my napkin and I walked out of the restaurant. I said, I'm done. That's it. And that was my defining moment right then. Mm. And Paulette, we flew home from Italy and I cried the whole way home. And he sat next to me with his headphones on, looking at all his music, never touched me. He saw that I was crying, never reached out to me, nothing. It was like, unbelievable and I came home and, and I said I'm done I'm, mm. I'm moving out and and I did and you moved out and the children were all adults at this point I have three daughters two at the time 
uh, one was married, one was engaged, and one was um, getting ready to go to college. And I moved to a place where I was near my older daughters. My younger daughter lived with me and um, that I made a little sanctuary for myself to recover. And soon after that, I planned the trip to Hawaii where I met you. Ah, I love the timing. Okay. So then you mentioned for not just yourself, but other women, uh, just this sense of the need, the longing, the calling for the self-study. There's more to do going into deeper layers and really understanding that it isn't just this one snapshot of my life, but the maybe there are some reasons and patterns as to why we tolerate these type of things or we invite them or, you know, like, what is it that we need to understand about ourselves? So A, this doesn't happen again, and B, we can start our journey uh, to healing. Exactly. And when I went to the, um, I call it my recovery place or my place to rest, um, I remember the counselor said to me, here, we're going to talk about you, not about him. Mm -hmm. And of course we did talk about him some, but this is a journey about us. We need to learn about what we were dealing with and the character disorders and narcissism and cluster B personalities. We need that education. And then we move to us, you know, how did I get involved with this person? Was I vulnerable? I was very vulnerable when I met him. I know that. Um, and, you know, we, we can, in some cases, go all the way back to our childhood. You know, um, I like to sort of debunk this this um, seeming theory that's out there that everyone who gets involved with a narcissist has codependence. Mm. That's not always true. And the research that Sandra Brown, who I have studied under, has done proves this. Um, Some of us are, are just very capable, functional, healthy women when we meet these guys and they are just that clever, they're just that cunning. And if we have those super traits of conscientiousness and agreeableness, and we have, we're full of light and, and love and, and we, you know, we, we, we want to please people that we care about. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean we're living with codependence. It just means that they were attracted to us because we were just amazing, awesome women. And I believe that, and I think this was true in my own marriage, he wanted something that he saw in me that he did not have for himself. You know, perhaps the empathic nature the um, the spirituality that I had, uh, my relationship with my my God, you know, because he 
he met me there. I mean, he, he made me believe that he was an equal to me spiritually. And I could, I can't judge that. There are parts of his soul that I, I will always love. I just now see him as a traumatized man that probably from his own life way before I met him, that will probably never be able or capable to take responsibility for himself. And, and that's another characteristic of narcissism and the, yeah. these cluster B, they, they, they cannot take responsibility. Admitting they that they made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, he said to me one day, I'm 53 years old. I've been living like this my whole life. Why should I change? Mm. It's always worked for me. Yeah. You're reminding me of other people. <laughs> I, um, one of the last things my mother said to me before she passed, uh, uh, was you'll never change. And, um, I looked at her and I said, there, there's nothing in my life that hasn't changed, but what she was really saying was I'll never change. You know, it, it was just, um, she had no interest in an ever changing and, and she liked it that way. And she didn't like any, anyone who would, be malleable or change something about their life. My mother even um, renovated a kitchen and insisted that it be in the exact same order that the kitchen in her other home was. She did not like change of any, any nature. Um, you mentioned a little bit about the, the narcissistic supply, right? I don't think you use that term, but that, that longing or that, like you were serving a purpose in his life. Oh, absolutely. But when you all of a sudden didn't react, his, his supply was shut off. It's like you, you cut the guillotine, you pulled the cord, you slammed the door shut and you weren't reacting. And he actually said to you, you're not reacting like you normally do. Like what he really wanted to say is, how dare you not do that? You're not fulfilling a need I have. And Absolutely. now he's in what's known as narcissistic injury from what yes. I understand. And they yes. go into this trauma state of like, she's not agreeing or she's not, why isn't she cooperating anymore? Um, or he, if it's the, you know, we, we use he and she uh, intermittently, but, um, and even in um, same sex marriages, like it doesn't matter, you know, it's a matter of um, noticing. So I'd love to kind of digress and kind of wrap up our conversation when you started to say that I believe that this is a specialty and it does take a unique set of eyes or listening skills. I'd like to shift the conversation where you said, I believe that this work and you, my dear, are a trained, educated, clinically you know, there's nothing, no three little letters or four little letters after your name that don't exist. Like this is your world. I am in no way diagnosing. Um, I have other little letters behind my name, but they're much more about divorce <laughs> than they are your world. And I think that's why our genius blends because like, you know, I pick up where you leave off, you pick up where I leave off. And, and I've got some, you know, many ideas. Um, my clients need you and I'm sure your clients may or may not need me, but <laughs> they're, um, and again, I'm not pro-divorce. I'm happily remarried and do believe in marriage. And most of the work I do isn't necessarily with a cluster B personality. You do not need to be a, uh, a what are that diagnosed, uh, married to a diagnosed uh, 
person with a personality disorder to have a contentious divorce. You just need somebody that's not willing to cooperate and does not feel that the rules apply to them. So when it comes to that, when you mentioned so brilliantly, because this really is your, your expertise, that you believe that this is a specialty and it takes a unique set of eyes and a unique listening skill. Um, I have to agree with that. There are many professionals in your world that do or do not have this either interest or knowledge or personal experience in which to be able to empathize themselves. And maybe that's opening a can of worms (laughs) Um, to be able to really help others heal, because isn't that really what it's all about is to get to a place of not just what you said, transforming, but transcending the experience. We don't just want to stay and hover there and own it and see it as some little badge we wear on our blazer, like I'm a survivor of getting beyond it and growing to a place of here's my story. Here's why I went through what I went through. And this is how I've grown and evolved and awakened from it. Not from a sense of like, look at me, aren't I more, um, whatever the word is than others. It's a matter of being able to feel comfortable in your own skin and, help others. It is a deeply painful experience. And you did use the word chaos. And I think that's funny because when I named this podcast and I said, it's going to be called thriving in the chaos because it really is chaotic. Um, So in closure, you've created a program, a system, a community. um, I don't know if there's another word we should put after it, um, um, where you are able to, to take women that find you and cultivate an experience in which they can transcend it. So for someone that is maybe just listening and the tears are flowing or they're taking notes or they've already uh, don't, they're not ready to deal with it yet. So they've uh, not finished listening to the whole um, episode. Cause as you said, it, it's a process of, <gasps> I don't even want to hear that because that's painful and, and that's okay. We understand been there, done that. I see that in a lot of people and, and men and women, it's a very, difficult decision um, and, and process of acceptance. So if for somebody listening and they're just there, what is the some words of wisdom and advice that you can give them that makes them feel like they are not crazy, that they're going to get through this and some skills or some, um, should I say, um, uh, you know, habits or little uh, things that they could do to make the situation healthier or better for themselves as they go through that? Yeah, sure. Well, the first thing I would say, Paulette, is to find support. Get with someone who gets it and surrender and say, you know, this is where the the holistic element comes in. You know, if you think about the body, mind, spirit paradigm, listen to your body, discern your feelings and intuition, dare to trust yourself that what you're experiencing and what you're feeling is true. And it's the first step. And then, you know, how do, in our mind, how do we make sense of this? How do we understand what's going on? How do we speak to ourselves about it? This is where we need the education. And then our spirit, you know, we, we were created with a, a spirit that wants to give us life and help and strength. And so if we just surrender and say, dear God, I don't know what the hell I'm dealing with. And I, I just lead me here and give me the strength I need 
to move forward. Um, that's a that's a huge prayer. It's a huge important step. And I offer free consultations to women. I I want them. You know, if somebody comes across my stuff, then call me, share with me what's going on. Let me give you direction. Let me say, well, I think you'd be really appropriate for this group, or maybe we can do a few sessions individually. Um, and, I, and I try to help them figure out what they need. I will share with them good books, the, the right videos that I feel on YouTube are going to be helpful to them. There's so much stuff on social media and YouTube out there that we really have to be discerning about. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of angry women or <laughs> men out there, Paulette, that have been through divorce or that yes. who have been through a relationship and they're not in a position to really help you if they're stuck in their grief or anger. Yeah. I could not agree more. There are a lot of angry people out there that are stuck in their a circle, their story, right? They're stuck in their story. They make it about the story. And we do need to process the story. And whether that be, you know, write about it, journal about it, you know, emotionally vomit to a friend and, and just get it out, get it out, get it out. But once you've done that, it's time to to pull yourself out of that, the, the circle down the drain, or it's just going to suck you down. So That's I couldn't right. agree uh, that, that common threads of one another getting, hanging out with other people that get it, like you said, that they can truly understand. And yes, I, I do also like the fact as we started our conversation about being careful with the language and getting stuck in all the words and the terms, you got to educate yourself and understand it, but then step into a mode of it's time for me to, to work on me. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough. You are um, such a glowing, beautiful light of grace and dignity and sophistication and intelligence. You are a beautiful woman inside and out. I distinctly remember meeting you and thinking this is a beautiful woman. Um, you are um, a gift to those that find you. I would love to recommend you to anyone who is having a hard time healing from narcissistic abuse or any type of high conflict behavior. Um, it is something that takes time. Be patient. Uh, you know, miracles don't fall from the sky, as they say, although sometimes they do. If you have fallen in my lap, when you have the right connections and prayers and people in your life. So, um, with that said, tell anybody uh, the best way to find you, to work with you, to learn more about you, and dare I say, follow you on social media. Yep. Yes, yes. So I would say go to my website, donashinwellness.com. I'm also a certified holistic wellness coach. I, I am, I'm really into health and wellness and um, that allows me to work with people globally um, because us therapists have licensure only in the state, you know. That, that is true, in. that is true, yeah. Yeah, so donishinwellness.com. I'm also on Instagram and um, I have a, a Facebook page as well, Donishin Wellness. And um, there I have a, 
a newsletter. I'd love to get people on my, my weekly newsletter that I write. So if you go to donashinwellness.com, there's a space you can give me your email and I will send you this wonderful guide to how to help you navigate from um, and recover from a toxic relationship. And um, perfect. my email's on my pages. Just reach it's out. It's all just there. And Shin is spelled S-H-I-N. So. S-H-I-N, yes. Thank you. So uh, to all of you out there, I hope you took notes, you've learned, you are not alone, you are not crazy, we get it. Whether you are contemplating divorce, managing to get through it, surviving it on some level, whether you are mediating, collaborating, arbitrating, litigating, or trying to DIY it, whatever stage you're in, or on the back end, if you are just uh, you know looking at the paper and the ink is still a little wet and you're trying to contemplate the, the waters and navigating that transformation of changing your name, dating, and moving beyond that, and really starting to create the next chapter of your life. Uh, we understand. And if you have uh, had a relationship with somebody that maybe wasn't so cooperative and um, is making it a little bit difficult, particularly co-parenting, we understand. Uh, Paulette, uh, Rigo here, author of Better Divorce Blueprint, founder of Better Divorce Academy, and here to make your journey a little less painful, faster, less expensive, and free of tons of heartache. Uh, thank you again. Um, thank you, Donna. Until next uh, time. Thank you for all you're doing in the world, Paula, and all those lovely things you said about me right back at you. Yeah, you are, you are a light as well and doing wonderful work so thank you and thank you for having me this has been really fun to to talk with you and connect i appreciate it and i couldn't agree more i am thrilled to have you help so many of the women um pick up the pieces where they're left off because they need it it doesn't end when you walk out the courtroom it's just the beginning so keep thriving in the chaos it's what you need to do no matter what think you may be the next guest on the Thriving in Chaos Project podcast, reach out to Paulette, email her at paulette at betterdivorceacademy.com. And no matter what, keep thriving in the chaos. <laughs>